I am absolutely thrilled because I, uh, I have the privilege and the honor of talking about the kingdom today, but one of the voices that you all know the best and you're coming to recognize on a regular basis, I'm joined today by Patrick Adams. How you doing? I'm doing well, sir. Right. How are you? Doing well. A lot of things doing well. You know, we've been talking about kingdom and the life of God and what God is doing for us, but we've all had some conversations over the last few days and it hit me, God made man. He made one man, one woman. Out of them come all the nations of the earth. That's right. So we're all one family. Yes, sir. We're one people, one blood. The Bible says from one blood, God made all men. Yes, sir. So since we're all family, there are some moments when I think we forget that in the kingdom of God, God is not trying to remove our different colors or histories or cultures. He's simply bringing us together like a family reunion. Yes, sir. You know, I don't know about you. I, I, I like my family. I've got a big family. <laughs> Me too. But let's be honest. Have you got anybody in your family that when you see them, you're like, mm. perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all can't see Patrick's face. That was a good answer. <laughs> I'm being good. We all have family members that we love, but we don't choose to be around all the time. Sure but they're still family. Absolutely. That would be what you would classify as a prejudice. Oh, okay. See, a prejudice is not a bad thing. A prejudice, ah. I've heard this before, it's not. Prejudice is not necessarily evil. Prejudice is simply, I prefer something more than another. Now, it is when I choose to nullify or disqualify right. the other thing as not having value while I prefer something else, that's when it becomes a ism or it becomes the act of murder in ah, my heart. Right. So I don't really love tomatoes, but I really like heirloom tomatoes. So most of the tomatoes I eat around the world, I don't eat them. I tell them, take them out of my salad. That's my own personal prejudice, right. my preference. Sure. But if there's an heirloom tomato, by all means. Yes, sir. With some mozzarella cheese, make a little <laughs> salad, put it on the pizza. My preference is simply my personal choice. Yes. If I, however, see you eating a tomato and I slap that tomato from your hand, or if I write a blog about how much I hate tomatoes and people who like tomatoes are dumb, or if I decide to create a website calling uh, that says down with tomatoes. Down with tomatoes. <laughs> Then I went from a preference and the prejudice, my judging something beforehand. That's what prejudging. Like a dishonor. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Prejudice simply means I judged it before I actually engaged it. Right. Prejudging. All of us can do that. All of us are allowed to do that. I prefer something. When I choose to downplay the other, disqualify the other, nullify the other, discredit the other, I've gone now from the act of preferring something to being prejudiced against something to when I exclude others from participating right. in it, it now becomes a hatred. Yeah, an elitist mentality. An well. elitist. Yeah. That's well said. There's a lot of music. You like some music more than others. Absolutely. <laughs> so what does that mean to you? Is there... There's music that there uh, music that I love mm -hmm. uh, with the gifting and the the taste that the Lord's given me obviously sparks imagination creativity mm. and as I like to say it certain music makes me see a lot of colors yes and I love color in music 
uh, they're pretty much they're one and the same when you mm-hmm. break it down. So um, music that really inspires a lot of visuals, yes. color, and imagination. Mm. Uh, that's something that I'll gravitate towards. But music can be broken down between there's rhythm, there's instrumentation, there. It's almost limitless style. Mm. Um, and as I was, when I was younger, I, I of course made the mistake of thinking, you know, this is superior to this or right. But as long as things aren't demonically you inspired, know, inspired, or they're all, you know, or whether it's neutral, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You really can't have a. You really can't say one is better than the other. It's a subjective. It's subjective for the most part. So that's perfectly said. So my subjective opinion right, and my classificational desire. Classification, yes. Depending on what class of music it yes. is and which classes I like. Now, that brings us to the same idea when it comes to humanity in some regard. Many of us have had internal classification issues handed to us that we've been taught this people group this city group, this type of group, that's the kind of class you need yes. to hang out with. Hang out with people like you. Right. Hang out with people like this. We then go from that to deciding from classification to we then make specifications. Mm. In this class, this person is a lot better than that person. I see. Yeah. So we're good with people of that color as long as they act like this. In that classification. In that classification. I see. Okay. Now, that's the thing. But at the end of the day, all music is still music. Music. That's the thing that we have to now come back to as a revelation. There are some things you might like better about people. There are some people you might like better than others. But at the end of the day, what keeps your heart clean and free is the revelation that all people are people. If all people are people and made in the image and likeness of God, then many people lose the ability to have these these conversations where we move forward into real healing and understanding because we've almost made people think any classification they have chosen to look at or any preference they have somehow makes them a bad person. Mm. No, you do not. If you are a white Christian hearing this, you don't have to suddenly go make 50 friends of color to prove to anybody (laughs) that you're phenomenal. What you do have to do is purposely make sure that you don't overlook friends of color. There you go. Because the only classification you have been trained to like is people who look like you, but the only reference you make is people who think like you. Right. So you've got to break out of that model. And not discounting. Not discounting. Even uh, same as music or being brought up under... uh, from your parents, I'm thankful for the, the music my parents listen to. Mm. For, with my uh, opinion, subjective is, I felt like they listened to music that really helped me out to curate and it grew, it grew a palette. Yes, for me to hear because they listen to a lot of varied music. So I think it helped me have a, a palette to accept and be able to hear a lot of different mm. things. But um, I think that goes with a lot of, for a lot of other things as well. Who brought you up? We're a product of our influences. Yes. And that influence is what cultivates our tastes. Absolutely. And for me, even in music, I had to realize, is it my taste? Or is it, you know, is it is it a bias? Mm. Or the classification thing, you know, because those things can all intermingle. And sometimes it can get tangled up. Yes. And as I've gotten older, I've had to mature and realize, okay, that's just your taste, Patrick. Okay, that actually is discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is just... Uh, neutral, just whatever, as, as you feel led. Absolutely. But uh, those three, those three things can get tangled up. Yes. Where we think, oh, this no, this is my discernment. This is how. This is right. This is wrong. Mm-hmm. This is right and wrong. 
Well, no, you're spot on because that's how we, now I started by talking about prejudice. That's how we move from any type of active prejudice. You don't have to feel bad about it. You simply have to move from it. I see. You move from the prejudice to a preference. Mm. So there are some things I prefer more than others. Mm. I have many preferences, but I have worked throughout the years to make sure I have no biases. There you go. I like that. So my preference is, if we talk about where to go to dinner, there's some places I'd like to go more than others. Sure. But anywhere you pick, I can find the meal. I have no bias. Any restaurant, that's a good restaurant I can eat at. Any nation in the world, I've been to 60 nations to carry the gospel. People say, where do you want to go on vacation? That's my preferences, the place I want to go and chill. Mm -hmm. But I have no bias about where to take the gospel. Any place God sends me, that's my family. Amen. So whether it's in Africa, whether it's in China, whether it's in Australia and New Zealand, whether it's in Canada and America, whether I am on the far-flung corners of the earth, it doesn't matter. In every place I've gone, I now have kingdom family that I communicate with regularly, that know they can talk to me about anything, and I can speak into their lives. We didn't just become people who did church together. We became people who did life together. Because if God has connected me to you, God connected me to you. I have to now choose to let you connect with me. I see. That's how we remove the bias. The preference is we all have things we like. The bias is I choose not to like what I could like because my past tells me it's not that. And not giving it a shot. Yes. That makes me, if you've hung around me at all in the worship platform the last couple of years, you'll hear me talk about, I really feel what the Lord is doing in this season is he's allowing these streams yes. to come into a river to flow. That's good. Now, any stream can partake of this river, but there's a humility that, that preferences a platform or preferences mm. a flow of God. Yes. Uh, musically speaking, worship-wise. And I know the Lord's bringing many things together. It's just, can is there a humility, A, to allow another mm. stream to come in? And when that stream comes in, do they have the humility to uh, interweave into what's already going on and, mm. and vice versa? So uh, I feel the same, musically speaking, right now in the spirit that all these streams yes. are meant to coexist. And they're meant to, now in times and seasons, there's... Some streams are highlighted more. Yeah. Certain sounds are highlighted more. Mm -hmm. But there's but there's always a, an ability for things to mingle Absolutely. and turn into a river. And while, turn into a river. While maintaining your unique stream. Yes, yes. It's just humility is the interlocking part that helps you connect with others. Absolutely. Um so, so that's all that's been on my mind very much so in the last two years. And I, I could quote somebody I think you may have heard as well. I'm not sure who said it, but they said he said, I think a lot of Christians in America mm -hmm. at least uh, don't realize that heaven doesn't sound like America. Oh God, no! You know heaven. <laughs> and and in uh, our friend Dan McCall, yes, is Sound of the Nations when he I think he said he went to Fiji. That's and right. Places. That's where the Lord really struck his heart because I think he said, "Why am I hearing songs from America? Not that they're bad songs, right. but these people have a flow. They have a stream. It was almost like as if they were discounting themselves. Absolutely, know, they have something." that needs to be uh, to be brought forth. So now that comes to the two things. So many of you who are listening, you're going, okay, we like this, but where is this going with right. kingdom? This is where it's going. That's the whole idea of where, if we're going to have strong kingdom that includes all races, right. all peoples, then many times what we did was we started to think that the gospel, all of the kingdom of God 
is really just like America. Right. Because what we all do is we form an idea of God's kingdom based on where we grew up. So, yeah. So now in our mind, worship, if worship is really good, it's going to look like Bethel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's a real breakout worship, it's going to sound like elevation. Right. If we're doing something creative, it's going to be like Maverick City. Yeah. If it's really a great praise breakout, it's going to be like a TD Jake service. If you're going to give me some encouragement, it's going to sound like Joe Lowstein. If somebody's going to deal with their flesh, they're going to talk like Joyce Meyer. Ah. So what we do, and all of those are heroes of mine, sure. people I follow and respect. And I quote many of them regularly. But what happens is, because we're not thinking kingdom, we're thinking class. Mm. We then see someone and we emulate the person we see. So we start to think everyone else doesn't fit the model. Now, the people who I named, all of them are kingdom people. They work with every nation, every tribe, every tongue. They understand and flow like this. Many of us do not. So because we have made the kingdom of God smaller and smaller based on our own experience, then when God wants to heal the nations, he can't heal nations because your church, your business, your house is not a place that's comfortable enough to nations or receptive to nations so that if God brought 15 different cultures to your church tomorrow, to your business tomorrow, to your house tomorrow, would they all feel comfortable in your house acting like themselves? Hmm. Or would you need them to act like you before you would receive them? Hmm. The definition of of real kingdom culture is to honor fully who you are engaging while sharing truthfully who you already are. Wow, so good. Yes, sir. It is not kingdom culture to have an idea of how you're going to leave them changed when you leave. <laughs> kind of like arrogance. It's arrogance. Yeah. Many times we've all seen it. We go into a situation and what's our mindset? Right, well, I'm, I'm going guilty, to... Uh... Have you been guilty? I've been guilty for yeah, sure. I've been guilty In myself. All this. <laughs> if you're listening, you're guilty too. If you say you're not, you're lying. You're lying. God can see you. You're lying. So we go into a situation with the mindset. I'm going to change them. And when I leave, they'll be better. Uh, yeah. And if they get better, they'll be like us. And that'll be the signal that. And that'll be the sign that I was successful mm. and they were receptive. So now we've lowered the benchmark of the kingdom Wow! to simply replicating what we are comfortable manifesting. My, my, oh, what a word. If we're not careful, that in essence is what you would call colonialism. Hmm. That's not the kingdom model of apostolic reformation. That is the colonial model of I'm going to take my culture, my mindset, and when you look like me, act like me, sing like me, sound like me, y'all will have arrived. The kingdom is not superimposition, superimposing, but it's an internal yes. outpouring, outflowing. Be not lords over each other like men are lord over each other. Don't do to each other what men have done mm. to you in the past. He said, but be servants one to another. Yes. Because if you serve me, and I see that what's on you is producing life in you, I will begin to replicate what you carry for I become what I behold. Yes. So if you serve long enough, 
My eyes are always on the servant. My eyes are not on the one being served. People's eyes are on the servant. If you're sitting at a table eating, everybody's watching. It's the waiters walking around. Yes. Who people are watching because you're over the shoulder pouring the wine. You're coming around the side, putting down the table. You're back in a minute moving stuff. The one in constant motion is the one that people now are respecting their movement mm. because service is actually leading. Yes, it is. God is telling us if we really understand we want to heal cities and nations, we have to become servants. Something unique that people may not know that I thought about in this whole conversation is I don't think people really even know part of the story of your family. Right. Can you tell that? We have a, a Japanese on my father's side, my grandpa, Harry Takahara, mm. was a half Japanese, served in World War II in the okay. Pacific, I think under one of Patton's armies. Wow. And uh, great family, but during World War II, everybody's familiar with the Japanese internment camps. Yes. Some of, I believe it was a great aunts, a couple of great aunts or so were in, in, put in the internment camps. Ah. And because of that, uh, my family's lineage last name of Takahara mm-hmm. was changed over to Adams. Okay. So that, you know, it wouldn't follow them, the stigma, they didn't mm. want their son to go through, their, their kids to go through the same Sti- uh, yeah. stigma, prejudice, you yeah. know, discrimination that they'd want in case this were to happen again. Who knows? You know, it was was a pretty trying time. So that name was kind of lost, but it's always had a resonation in my Mm. spirit. I've always felt it. But yeah, that, that, and I actually didn't even think of it in this way Mm -hmm. as you brought it up that, wow, I didn't realize this actually, that ran in my family. Yes, sir. You know, um, so yeah, it's something that's always been on my mind too. I'm not sure why. Mm. I imagine the Lord, there's something there for the Lord to reveal or or, uh, reconcile. It's an amazing thing, Patrick, because what happened to you all, what happened to your family is something that's happened to many families in times of crisis. Many of the Jewish families that during World War II, Mm. during that same time frame, um, who were coming over from Europe when they had to escape their nations, leaving from Germany, Poland, leaving from Russia, coming out of France, when they were leaving and escaping for their lives after seeing some of their families put into internment camps and dying, the one thing they knew was the first thing we need to do so we can be in England, in America, in this country, some came as far as Argentina. Mm they changed their name. And so they would change the end of the name. And that's how you have a lot of people whose name is Gold or Golden. It used to be Goldberg or Goldenstein. Right, okay. You have a lot of people who it was Rubenstein, but they're just Ruben now. Or yes, they took the Stein off the end. Right. Um, Weisenhall. So when you see a lot of people whose last name is Weiss. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow, okay. Nobody's actual last name was Weiss, really. Most okay. were Weisenthal, Weisenhan. It was, yes. Wow. They cut the names so that people would not immediately classify them as being Jewish. We now jump forward. While your great-great-grandfather or great-grandfather. Uh, grandfather, yeah. Grandfather is serving in World War II. Yeah. He's a soldier. He's got family members who are being interned. Right, yeah. While he's on the battlefield fighting. Yes. And so from Takahara to Adams. Yes. Now, the same was true. Many people may know it um, from watching some of the old movies about slavery. But that's where you hear people say, um, many people in African-American culture, some people say, well, like we we had a president recently. Now, don't get political on me and write me when I say (laughs) this, but we had a president recently. His name was Obama. Right. 
Hussein Barak. His middle name was Hussein. Right. Now, there were a lot of people that lost their minds when they heard his name. Yeah. Oh, my God, he's Hussein. got a Muslim name. Okay. <laughs> no, he had an African name. An African name is different than a Muslim name. Sure. Now, what many people don't realize is for a lot of black people, the first thing that happened when they were taken as slaves was their names were changed right. immediately. So people whose name was um, Akineda or Barumba or, um, or some, there's a hundred other names right. I could go through. The first thing that happened was as soon as these adults who did not speak the language, someone would look at them like you would retrain a dog and they would say to their face a new name that they didn't understand because they don't speak the language. So someone would look at you and say over and over, your name is now Stephen. No, no, Patrick, Patrick, no, Stephen. And every time you said your name, they would hit you. Right. It's the taking of a name. Now, why is that important? Because I wanted you to tell that story so that people could hear and understand. This is what happens when we go from just having a preference to being led by a bias to being controlled by a hatred. Mm. Is that what we then demand is it's not enough for me to love my own identity. I now have to destroy yours. Yes. So when you take someone else's identity, when you tell someone they're being too Japanese, too black, too Jewish, too loud, too much, why are you talking about that so often? The moment that them being them offends you, there's a bias internally you must face or you are going to move into the place of needing to destroy their image of themselves so that you can be happy about your image of you. Right. That is the model of Cain. Mm. So back to the beginning of time. Wow. That's why we're talking, this is kingdom <laughs> wow, stuff now. This is good. So you go back to the model of Cain. Here's Cain and Abel. The only two brothers walking around. Right. I mean, there's nobody else. Wouldn't you be nice to the Nobody only other person? Nobody to with, I guess. I mean, really? Just, if you just walk that way for about three hours, you don't have to see each other for the next two weeks. That place wasn't, <laughs> wasn't big enough for the both of them, I guess. Now, Cain, Cain's problem was, I know what God said, but I don't like it. Abel's problem was, he was modeling what the previous generation showed him. Abel is modeling what he saw his parents do. They learned that worship required an animal to die. How did they know that? When God showed up to talk to Adam and Eve, they were clothed in fig leaves. This is a whole another teaching for another day, but they're clothed in fig leaves. God does not accept fig leaves as a proper covering because now that you are, have stepped out of your full nature with me through sin, and you're no longer clothed in glory because they were actually clothed in glory. When Adam and Eve was first made, you did not actually see their outward skin if you were to approach them. They were shining with the glory of God. The same glory on God was on them. That's why when God showed up, he said, where are you? Not because I don't find you, I can't find me. Because mm. my glory was on you. Right. You were shining like I was shining. You sounded like I sound. The hum of the Holy Ghost that walks with me was on you as well. Because wherever so the foot, your foot tread, 
that ground became territory because he said wherever you walk that now becomes new territory it becomes garden so Adam and Eve were covered with enough glory that every time they took a step outside of the boundaries of the garden that new step became garden they were walking in glory they lost that glory when they chose a different nature when they chose a different nature that glory lifts that's what God meant in the day you do this, you'll die. Not that you've died physically. The level of glory that was on you supernaturally, you've died at this level of authority yes. you carry. You've separated yourself from me in the sense of divine kingdom authority. Now you're going to have to sweat to survive. So this separation comes. Cain and Abel come after this. God said, I'm not going to accept fig leaves. So what does God do? The Bible says he covered them with skins. Some people say it's talking about the skin that we have now. That's not what it's talking about. It was the first time in creation that something had to die. Yeah. So God, not Adam and Eve, God killed an animal. God skinned the animal and he wrapped them with the garment of something he made to live. Mm -hmm. Why? Because from that moment on, what he was declaring to Adam and Eve, to your children, to your children's children, to all their children, remind them of the moment when I, in my great love for you, heartbroken because of your decision, but merciful because of my nature, I showed you that blood is the only acceptable bridge for you to stay with me. So as long as man lived, man remembered to say the shedding of blood is how we stay connected to God. The shedding of blood, the shedding of blood, the shedding of blood. So now down through 40 and two generations, mm -hmm. every generation of Israelite knew the shedding of blood all the way from Adam, all the way to Jesus, the shedding of blood. Here comes Jesus now hung up on a cross, blood dripping down. He now becomes the animal who dies in our place, the lamb slain from the, he is the bullock that takes away the curse. He is the goat that takes away the nature. He becomes the turtle dove that cries peace. He becomes the pigeon that brought hope. He becomes the bullock that brings worship to God. He is the embodiment of every animal that took the sin upon it. Jesus is all of that. And then he says, because you have to wear the skin, Adam, of what God killed, Jesus said, now wear me before wow. the Father. <laughs> <laughs> For we are now clothed with Christ. And we're done. And we're done. That was, man. Now, with that in your head, that part of their nature, Adam and Eve. Wow, that's awesome. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain is mad at Abel. About what? Cain keeps bringing God wheat, fruit of the ground vegetables and I've heard people teach on this and say God wasn't upset that he brought him well you're as dumb as a box of rocks because <laughs> he was because the Bible says he was yeah. God was ticked <laughs> he was ticked off he was if I can use a word they say now he was pissed yes now why because God is saying in less than 50 years you Cain have decided that the only thing I ever showed your daddy was kill an animal and bring it to me and I'll overlook your sin for a year. You have decided 
that God is not worthy of what he asked for. The only way to decide that means your pride has told you you're equal with God. Mm -mm -mm. Now your pride needs a victim. Wow, okay. Because pride left unchecked will destroy itself. There's no one there to blame. So pride needs a victim. It has to be someone else's fault. Because if, if it's my fault, then I have to change. So it's got to be your fault. Right. So my problem is not my disobedience in Cain's mind. My problem is my brother. If my brother would stop pleasing God, I see. God wouldn't have anyone to compare me to. Oh. If my brother would just stop giving God all those lambs, God would stop telling me about my brother. So here we have the beginning of what racism eventually is birthed out of, what sexism is birthed out of, what all isms come from. Comparison with another rather than changing for principles. Anywhere there is a ism, a division, a schism, it is because whatever is in your heart is prideful, it is illegal, it is bad teaching, bad doctrine, whether you gained it from your parents or grandparents, whether you learned it from watching your friends, whatever you learn, it doesn't line up with biblical truth. So the moment you hear truth, you have to align your heart with truth and admit what I think about those people is wrong. How I respond to those people is incorrect. How come I can say nice words to every waiter or waitress, but if someone Hispanic waits on me, I'm always short with them and I talk to them quicker and I tell them to move. How come if we watch you minister or prophesy, you only give great prophetic words to people who look like your color, but everybody else who's a little bit darker, you give real short words to. Do you even realize you're doing that? How come you'll do business with people who are of these culture, but when someone says there's a business deal with that man, you go, no, those people can't be mm -hmm. trusted. What bias is in your head? Yes, you will worship with certain colors at your church, but if your daughter, if your granddaughter, if your sister, if your son brought home that color group to your house and said, mama, daddy, grandma, grandpa, here's who I want to marry. Here's who I want to go to prom with. Here's who I'm thinking about for the rest of my life. Would you be so sweet and gracious then or would you have to have a conversation later and tell them, I don't think that's good. We shouldn't be with them. Cain's problem was his heart. His anger was directed at his brother. Why? I have to make you the problem so I don't have to admit it's me. And now we point our finger like Cain at the person who was sent to complete us. Why? You've got vegetables. What God told Cain was, take your vegetables and trade it for a lamb. Your brother is willing to complete you. But instead of being completed, you would rather kill half of your destiny than deal with the darkness in your heart. And Cain takes a step and God says, Cain, if you do what is right, it shall be well with you. If not, sin lies at the door. As in this podcast, the reason I'm going into this like this is because I wanted to give you a kingdom vision of it. That word sin lies at the door is the same picture in the Hebrew of an animal leaping towards you. 
like a lion or a tiger that's crouching, Hmm. lying in wait. When it says sin lies at the door, it literally means like a tiger or a lion waiting for prey. God says if you choose to make another person the object of your hate because you won't deal with your own heart, sin has permission to track you, hunt you, Mm -hmm. and jump you. What sin is he talking about? Whatever you do to the person you despise becomes the sin that lives in your house. I say to some of you, now if we are kingdom people, out of many people, one kingdom, and out of one family, all nations. Let God search your heart. Let God open your heart and reveal to you all the places that may be a preference You can hold on to your preference. Make sure your preference is not a bias. Make sure you do not discount another, put down another, ignore another, disqualify another. Once you make sure there is no bias, make sure that if there is no bias, there is no hatred, no ism, no schism. Make sure that you, my brothers, are not looking down on women of God just because I don't ever want a woman to tell me anything, even though... God says clearly women can preach. I'll teach later on all the places where you're hearing people teach from scripture that a woman should keep silence. They have taken those scriptures out of context. Make sure your heart isn't telling the person you need the answer that was sent. You're able. Don't kill your able. For those of you that can't hear somebody of another color, don't kill your able. For those that won't hear prophets who don't look like you, don't kill your able. For those of you that won't do business with people who don't have your history and background, don't kill your able. Your able is carrying the thing that fulfills your current assignment and opens your future favor. Don't kill your able. I'm going to pray for you and then I want Patrick to pray or anything he's hearing. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, We come before you now and all of us who are listening in any place where we have had biases and did not know it before. But Holy Spirit, you have lifted those before us during this conversation. You brought them to our attention. I pray that you're showing people right now faces of people, moments in their life, times when they let fear, bad information, bad teaching, prejudice, identity issues, cloud their judgment, to where they made someone else their problem instead of letting their heart be purified by you. I pray whatever you brought up in our spirit right now, God, we repent of it. We repent. We repent for misjudging others. We repent for ignoring people who had value. We repent for treating someone as less than us and ourselves better than another. We repent for not listening to that minister, that business person, that friend, that teacher. We repent for not hearing truth just because it came in a vessel that had different paint on the outside. Oh God, we repent for ignoring the moving of your Holy Spirit because it showed up in a service or through a voice that was louder, quieter, darker or lighter, richer or poorer than we were comfortable with. We repent. And God, we ask right now, any doors we opened 
to let the enemy in our house yes, Lord. with division, racism, strife, to mess up our families, to bring warfare in our marriages, in our children's lives, that we've caused confusion. God, we ask you now, at the moment we repent, yes. we ask that you would blow upon the harvest we had planted by bad decisions and let it dry up in the field and let us begin to plant new seeds. Let us walk in new hope, new mercy, reconciliation. Let us become ministers that unite cities and not divide generations. And let us live out what we continually say we carry, this beautiful kingdom of God. We ask this in your name, God, and we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord. Yes, sir. And Father, Lord, now I just pray for opportunities of redemption, Lord. Yes. Wherever we've tied or severed a tie, Lord, or severed a, a connection in the spirit with somebody mm. that we discounted, Lord. Father, that we've just repented and now, Lord, we just, yes. we just pray for another opportunity, God. Uh, with those brothers and sisters who we yes. may have discounted in the past. Lord, I pray that you would bring grace to the situation. I pray that you would bring uh, new opportunities to reconnect. And yes. I pray uh, opportunities for forgiveness with one another as well, Lord, that these bridges would be repaired, Lord. I speak to these bridges in the name yes. of Jesus that have been burnt in the spirit, Father, by pride or whatever we may have done, Lord. I speak to those bridges, Father, that they would they would live again mm. and they would be re rebuilt now in Jesus' name that we could cross yes. over hand in hand, Lord. And I just pray for divine opportunities of redemption mm. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. We love you. We bless you. And we're doing these for one purpose, to see all of us become free, strong, and one. The only prayer Jesus is still praying Father, make them one, yes. even as we are one. May his prayer be answered in all of us today. Amen.